and and I will pray. I will pray, and I'm going to do just a little bit of review from the last couple of weeks. This is week three of a four-week series on parenting, which is relevant for all of us, uh, whether we have children now or not. Uh, and there's lots of wisdom in this room, so let me pray. Lord, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for your goodness to us. We're thankful that we get to be a church, that, there's, that there is goodness flowing to us because of Jesus Christ, who's done everything uh, needed to secure our salvation. We're thankful that we're always being parented by you and being parented perfectly. In Jesus' name, amen. There's some good drumming going on up there. If it continues, I might have somebody say we need a break from the good drumming. Um, but just by way of review, the first week on parenting, I talked about the heart of parenting. And one of the main emphases I made is that, astonishingly, one of the ways God the Father perfectly loved God the Son is by giving Him imperfect, sometimes foolish, but inexperienced human parents who didn't really know what they were doing. And that is amazing. And what that should do is give us a little bit of hope that even though we're imperfect, God can use us. Uh, and that's a heart, and, and there's probably no way we sometimes feel more uh, inadequate and imperfect than in how we apply discipline uh, to our parenting. Last week, Pastor Dave talked about the, the, the importance of relationships. And there's actually a priority of relationships that work itself out when we're thinking about parenting. Our relationship with God is first and foremost. You won't have a good relationship with your children or anyone else if you don't have a good relationship with God. There is a saying that we're, God is closer to anyone than that person is to himself. Because God can fill all things. He's present everywhere and he's all-knowing. And so even as we're interacting with someone and we're face-to-face -face with them, God is actually even closer to them. So we're always interacting as people uh, who have uh, God within us as Christians and we're interacting with people whom God is, and God is present when we're interacting with them. So we need to relate to God well, then to our spouse as well, and then to our children. And in fact, uh, at one point, I think it was someone in James Dobson's ministry, it might have been him himself, but there's a saying he has, which is, rules without relationship equals rebellion. And that's a really good principle. If you're just making demands of a kid, and you don't actually relate to them and get to know them, you should not expect them to follow your rules. You should expect them to rebel. Uh, and... So this week, we're talking about discipline, and the discipline and instruction go hand in hand. Next week, we're going to have a panel of people, and they don't even know who they are because I'm not certain I know who they are yet. But there's some, a lot of parenting wisdom in this church. We're going to ask people how they have gone about instructing their children. But this week, we're talking about discipline. Uh, I volunteer. Whenever things like controversial, I try to volunteer for it. Uh, someone needs to. And so I want us to talk about discipline. But by means of review also, we need to recognize that we are always being parented by God. Always. 
So Deuteronomy 14, 1 through 2, God is talking about Israel is, are, is his children, it's his child. Uh, Psalm 103, 13 has the same principle that God is a father to his people. And then all throughout, so John 20, you have Jesus saying, I'm, I'm going to my father and your father, I believe is the text there. And so there's this massive implication that we have a parent that's still parenting us, no matter how old we are, and that relationship will never change. In all eternity, this is an amazing thing, when you are one billion years old, you will still be being parented. When you have been glorified and you will sin no more, you will still be parented by God the Father. Perfectly parented. Uh, Romans 8, Galatians 2 and 4, Ephesians 1, these are all texts about God adopting us, bringing us into His family. Uh, and there's more than that. But 1 Peter 1, 14-16, have that underlined for some reason, I can't remember, it's been a long week. Um, let me read it. As obedient children, oh, this was good. This is, this is good. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passion of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So we're called to be obedient children to God and reflect. God's holiness to reflect our Father. Anybody have any other texts that come to their mind um, about being parented by God, being God's child? Jim. Yeah. 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 So Galatians is talking about God parenting us by sending His Son to come and care for us. And, and when we think about who God is, I just threw up some random thoughts that just popped into my brain about who God is. He's just. So we're being parented by a just God. We're being parented by a gracious God. Add. John 14, 18, Jesus said, I will not use this orphans. Mm. Amen. Yes, that's wonderful. Um, we ha what, what text was that? 14, John 14, 18. So God, we have a, a holy father. He's patient with us. He's always being patient with us. He's wise. He's pure. He's powerful. He's generous. John. I didn't know. So, what a blessing to be God's children. Can you imagine? I mean, we, we just don't really grasp that. The, the, 
most of the Christian life, our problems flow out of not knowing who we are in relationship to who God is. Uh, God's, they we're always being parented by God. Now here's where the rub comes. Respect and obedience actually matter to God. And here's why that's a challenge. Because we're in a culture where respect and obedience don't matter. They don't really matter. We are, we are children of rebels, theologically, but as a nation. We value throwing off the oppressors. We have a Boston Tea Party. And so, and, and there, we need to be aware that as much as I love our Declaration of Independence, as much as I love being an American, we need to recognize that there is a little bit of this attitude that still is injected into our culture and starts to reveal itself. And we need to know when to celebrate that properly and when to recognize when it might be crossing biblical lines. And so, um, respect and obedience matter to God. Exodus 20, verse 12, in the Big Ten, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And then that's repeated again in Deuteronomy 5 and again in Ephesians 6. So honoring our parents really matters, and that never ends. So I am approaching 40, and I'm still trying to figure out, Allie and I are still trying to figure out what does honoring, what is honoring our mothers, because both of our fathers are now dead, um, what does that mean? We're still trying to figure that out because it still matters to God. Malachi 1.6, here's God speaking in there. And this is like just a, the tiniest snippet of, uh, of how we see that God holds up the importance of respect and obedience to parents. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? So God is assuming that all of Israel knows that you honor your, your father. But then he's like, you're not honoring me as your father. So th there's an assumption here that this is really important. And then these two texts are really, really convicting for me as a parent and as a child. Uh, Romans 1, 29 through 31. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Inventors of evil, like people are working hard to be evil. And then right after that, disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. I, just second, Christy. Um, second Timothy 3.13, but understand this, that in the last days, and we're in the last days, however you define it, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. So here's this list of like all these things we're like, yeah, that's awful, that's awful, that's awful. And then it's kind of like, oh, and you sneakily didn't brush your teeth when mom and dad told you. And... Mom and dad told me to stop pulling my his sister's hair, but I'm going to keep doing it. And that's on this list. 
And so we need to recognize that this really matters to God. Romans, following Romans, it says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. So this is super, super important. Christy, what were you going to add or ask? It's a great question. Honoring your parents when you've had really horrible parents is probably just, in a sense, praying for them, trusting that God, know, God has a plan for them, and that would not mean submit, necessarily subjecting yourself to more abuse. That would not honor them by allowing them to sin against you more and therefore sin against God more. It's really complicated. So honor might be, uh, and, and sometimes... We're going to make mistakes for this, and sometimes honoring our parents will not feel like honor to them. And, and so we as parents need to get that. But sometimes our kids are doing the best they can. They're really trying to honor the Lord, and we're kind of like, how could they do such a thing? Sarah? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. We want all those, like, if those are really cheap, I've wanted those to be more visible than they are, trying to figure out how to do that. Um, but if you, if you can't afford them, uh, just take one. And, uh, but you know, there's all kinds of helpful stuff back there. So this really matters to God. When your toddler, when you say, Jimmy, Jimmy, come here. And Jimmy smiles and runs the other direction. That really matters to God. And when you ask your children to take out the garbage, and they don't do it, that really matters to God. And so this will have to factor into how we discipline at times and should motivate us to help them see and help ourselves see this. Because a lot of the time, we, we don't value obedience and respect quite enough. We, we, it bothers us when it doesn't happen. But we still don't, we don't really value it enough. Now here's the flip side. When most of us think about discipline, and, and including this morning, most of the emphasis is on just correction when things are wrong. But the reality is, is that you can't really discipline without also encouraging. If all it is is, here's what you're doing wrong, I'm going to help correct you, we're going to fix this, and there's never, hey, you did that really well. We're really encouraged. Boy, it seems like uh, God is really blessing you in this way. Then you should not expect them to respond well to your discipline. And here's the problem. We we are made in such a way that we're immediately aware of the problems. Part of that's our lack of contentment. And we're rarely aware of when things are going well. But look at Ephesians 6. This verse is going to come up again and again on the slides. Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. Oh, there's a typo. Typo. In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So discipline and instruction together. We'll talk about instruction next week. But... Um, we need to recognize that if you're, a, if you're a father or mother, but particularly fathers here, 
If you're constantly disciplining your child and they're never aware of any encouragement from you, that is going to provoke them. That is, you will be disobeying God in this way. If they are way more aware of all the times that you are just constantly saying they're not measuring up and, ne- and rarely uh, aware of any times when you're encouraging, that's, that's going to be really hard. You're, you, it, it, things aren't going to land as effectively. And they're not going to please. It's not going to please the Lord quite as much. Now, here's the thing. Here's why the gospel is so important. We're all going to fail in this. And we already, if we're parents, we already have failed in this. We haven't been as encouraging as we should be. So what we see at the cross is God saying, you know what, parent? You've failed in every area of your life. But I've been a perfect parent to this son. He's going to be a perfect sacrifice for you so that you can be accepted as a perfect son. And therefore, if if you've struggled, I'm here to help you. So, I can incur- so that there's some encouragement just by looking at the cross. Like, I'm loved and accepted even when I fail. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, that's in the context of the church. But if it, uh, the family, I mean, of course, they need to be born again. But in a sense, a family is a microcosm of the church. If, we're gonna be, if we can't encourage people to practice that in our homes, it's probably not going to happen in the life of a church. Now, this is amazing. Romans 15.5, this blows my mind. Who is the God of? Or what is God the God of? He's the God of Israel. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. uh, The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But then listen to this, Romans 15.5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. So if, if we were polytheists, we'd be trying to find a God of encouragement out there somewhere. So, okay, we've got the God of uh, harvest, and the God of rain, and the God of love. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if there's a God of encouragement? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're Catholic, that's what your solution would be. You'd have a patron saint of encouragement. But we don't need that. Our God is a God of encouragement. And we're called to imitate him. So we should be encouraging. Isn't that amazing? Like God is actually encouraging us. We feel so often like God is against us and we're, we're, we're trying to protect ourselves, which Jesus has already protected us. Plus God the Father loves, sent Jesus, so he's for us. But he's actually encouraging us. Hmm. That's a good insight. I did not go into that. So God putting a new, new heart is part of his encouragement, That's, which is a picture of regeneration too, isn't it? Uh, Matthew 25, 21, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. When Jesus is picturing faithfulness, he starts talking about how masters encourage faithfulness. And if that's the case, parents, we should be encouraging our kids. And so, um, 
And then Proverbs 23, 24, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. Who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Do your, when your kids show any sign of spiritual life or interest, do you display yourself as a glad father, a glad parent? Do you rejoice say, wow, I, I want you to know how pleased I am. This is so encouraging. You're, you're such an encouragement to me. And so th- these are things that are easier said than done, though, aren't they? Now, for this to happen, we actually have to catch our kids doing things right. Which means we actually need to be in the same room as our kids. One of the main, uh, in my opinion, one of the main problems that a lot of parents, that, that cause problems that parents aren't aware of or lead to be problems, is because parents just don't see what their kids are doing. So the, their kids are always in the other room, so what does mom and dad have to do to give instructions? And they have to yell, even if they're not mad. But as soon as you do that, people are on, we've been, we're, we're made this way. We're immediately defensive. And... People with kids are in another room, and they're practicing bad habits. And we don't catch them. We don't catch them. And so we don't correct them and nip them in the bud, and they're out of sight. So now I'm not saying be a helicopter parent. I'm not saying you, uh, you can't let your kid walk a block down the street sometimes. Like, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that a lot of times our parenting problems come because we're just not watching our kids. And so let me ask you this. How many mints have your kids grabbed the last couple weeks at church on Sunday mornings? That bowl is full before church every Sunday, and it's empty after church every Sunday. There is, yeah. And we're all rejoicing. They're there to be taken, but there's just a question. I just wonder sometimes. Do your mom and dad know you just grabbed a fistful of those? Do you know? Things like that. Do you know when your kid has pushed the other kid? Yeah, they're having fun, but do you know? So you can catch that. And do you know when they're doing things right? That is super important. You say, yeah. You know, I noticed that we didn't even have to tell you to, to feed the pets, and you did it. Thank you. We didn't even have to tell you uh, to do your homework. You did it. We didn't even have to tell you to get up to go to church this morning, and you did it. We're, re- we're, we're really encouraged. Now, if God is parenting us and encouraging us, we need to know that he's also disciplining us. Deuteronomy 8.5, know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. Deuteronomy 11.1-2, you shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. And consider today, since I'm not speaking to your children who have not known or seen me, consider the discipline or instruction, both of those kind of mean the same thing in the Hebrew there, of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm. So God is disciplining his people, Israel, here. And, all, and what's interesting is basically everything said about Israel is said about the church. Now Hebrews 12, 7 through 11 is essentially decisive for us. 
It is for discipline that you have to endure. So here, here's, this is really interesting. God says, here's what you need to endure because you need to be self-disciplined and because I need to discipline you. So part of your endurance is actually for the results of discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And the presumed answer is, there doesn't happen. You're not a son if the father doesn't discipline you. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they, that's our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he, that's God the Father, disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. Now here's what's interesting is the, the author of Hebrews and the Holy Spirit are saying, fathers disciplined us the best they knew how. And he's kind of assuming they made some mistakes. But then he says, but our Heavenly Father, he disciplines us always for our good. But now here's a key verse. This is important. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. There is a principle here. If it doesn't hurt, it's not discipline. Let me say it again. If it doesn't hurt, it's not discipline. Because it says, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. So we live in a culture, though, where any sort of pain is meant to be immediately avoided. We, we do whatever we can to avoid pain, and it's influenced our parenting. It's now saying, like, you should never make your children feel uncomfortable. Well, if you have a relationship with them, you can make them feel uncomfortable, and it will still be for their good. Here it is again, and man, I shouldn't have copied and pasted that. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So that's a command. God tells us, you have to discipline your children. You must do that. And it needs to be in the instruction of the Lord, though, too. Again, come back next week. Um, where is that? I don't, it's probably coming, but maybe I skipped over it. It's important that we also recognize, as I connect discipline and instruction, Romans 2, you have God judging and evaluating Gentiles and Jews differently based on what they've received. And what that means is that we as parents should never be disciplining if our kids don't have some expectations. So like if you've never said, this is how you take the garbage out, you actually pull the drawstrings, and you, if it's really heavy, maybe you carry the whole can outside just in case it doesn't leak. And then you put it in the can, the big can, and you close the lid, and you come back in, you put a new bag in there. If we never show, instruct them on how to do that, we're being really unrighteous, and by the sense I mean unjust, unjust. We're not celebrating justice, because we're expecting things of them that are unreasonable. God doesn't seem to even do that. 
He condemns people according to what they know. And so, uh, we need, so instruction and discipline need to go together. And so as parents, sometimes we need to be humble and ask our kids, do you, do you not know how to do this thing that we're asking you to do? And then even if you've taught them seven times, teach them an eighth time. Because um, that's the way we would provoke them to anger through discipline. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. This is discipline that, according to God's word. Proverbs 22, 15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You will save his soul from Sheol. That's like the grave. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. I, when I was in the mortgage business, there was a Jewish realtor that I would interact with sometimes. And she's like, well, the rod... The, what, what, he, what God means by the rod is a measuring stick. Like it never, it never means like actually something you would strike someone with. And I said, well, what about Proverbs? Like it, so you just, even if it is a measuring stick, strike him with the measuring stick then, I guess. Um, and she, it made her feel really uncomfortable that I might have been a little more clear on the Old Testament than she was. But here's the thing. I, I've, we, we have lost church members over holding position that spanking is biblical. Just a second, Josiah. I, I, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, and we're, we're in a culture that says that it's actually sinful to spank your child. You are sinning by doing that. But it becomes a question of biblical authority. I am not saying you should only spank if you have young children. I am not saying that at all. You'll never hear me say that. But, but to say that spanking itself is wrong is just not true. And in fact, and here, here's an interesting case study. If you read Psalm 89, you hear about God parenting the kings David's offspring. And he says, my love's never going to depart from him. But I'm going to discipline him with the rod. So if there are times when we're like, how do we discipline someone? What would God do? Psalm 89 actually says, this is what I do. Josiah, go ahead. I did, yeah. Yeah, that's King David. So that's my, that's my Psalm 89. Yeah. So here's this glory. <laughs> you know what I'm reminded of, though, is a great far side comic where there's two panels on the top. On the top it says, welcome to heaven, here's your harp. Welcome to hell, here's your accordion. But like, so we, we, could really, we could really punish our kids with our bad musical talents, but that's not what this is about. This is how David, David is... David is being disciplined by God with, with the rod. Hebrews 12, 11, again, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So there have been times in my life as a parent where I have used the rod or wooden spoon, that's some more modern translation, um, on one of my young children. And they're like, that didn't even hurt. And then I go, oh, 
sweetie, I'm sorry. I need to actually thank you again then. I think they've learned to not open their mouths. <laughs> but the reason why, here's the reason why, it, has, it actually needs to be painful. It needs to sting a little bit. But here's what you do with that. You say, listen, God's always disciplining me, you guys. You're committing the same sins I committed. It's just, I'm trying to love you as God wants me to love you. He says disobeying parents is really, is really big deal. So I care way more about you disobeying God by disobeying me than just disobeying me. And so I care about your soul. And here's, here's what the results will be if we, if we let this go. And here's why I need help in this. Would you pray for me? And then you preach the gospel to them after you discipline them. And, um, but it does, need, it does need to actually hurt. So discipline in the younger years, talked about this. You've got you've to catch your kid doing things right. Um, Romans 1, 4, and 12, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. For all who have sinned without the law also perish without the law, but all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So even while you're applying the rod to young children, you've, you've got to recognize that there's got to be kindness behind it. That's how God wins people. The yes, there's wrath. Yes, there's hell. Yes, you need to flee from it. But here's why you'll come to me, because I'll save you from it. I'm here to save you from it. And so we need, there needs to be a, a love of, uh, a desire to be kind in how we discipline. Um, again, don't provoke your children to anger. Look at that bottom thing. It's that your annoyance may need to be kept to yourself. There have been times where I've been a parent where I'm just like, oh, the kids are so loud right now. They're being obnoxious. But are they sinning? Probably not, at least not in any way I can perceive. But as soon as I say, you guys need to quiet down, the stakes just really ratcheted up. Because now, if they don't quiet down, they're disobeying. And now there's action. And so sometimes we parents cause our own problems. There have been times where I've done that, where I've just been like, ah, oh, like, like, they weren't sinning. Like, why did I, would I do this? But then now I've got to follow through. And so sometimes we should think, we need to slow down sometimes and think, like, is this actually a problem? Now, on the flip side of that, parents of young kids, any behavior you don't want them to be having when they're 14, probably don't let them practice when they're five. So jumping on the furniture, you don't want a teenager doing that. You probably need to train them before they're a teenager. Uh, punching holes in the wall. You have no idea how many stories I have of parents telling me about holes kicked in sheetrock and punched in sheetrock by kids. A lot. You gotta t you'll have to teach kids, like, we, we try to take care of our house, you guys. Um, but we do need to be aware that sometimes our kids are not sinning when we're annoyed by them. Probably we are sinning. And that's what we, that's what goes back to our first session, which is we have to look at our hearts. 
And we have way more in common with our children than we do have things different from them. They are way more like us than different than us. Okay, discipline in the teen years. Now, I have had one teenager for almost two months, so I'm pretty sure I've got this down. <laughs> he says with complete sarcasm and self-doubt. So um, I, don't, I don't claim to have this figured out. I, I, I would love next week to hear uh, from people, but there is a point where physical discipline is, it needs to stop. Probably when, when their bodies are developing to the point where they're about to be capable of having children themselves, it's probably too late then to um, be disciplining them physically with spankings. So what, how does God discipline us? with consequences. And so there needs to be logical consequences. So Numbers 13 and 14, God says, hey, go, go into the promised land. And they all say, no, no, we're scared. There's giants there. And God says, well, then, I'm going to discipline you 40 years in the wilderness. And they say, okay, okay never mind, God. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go in there tomorrow. And then they're defeated. And why were they defeated? Because you have turned back from following the Lord. The Lord will not be with you when you go out into battle. So you abandon the Lord, and then the Lord, he's going to abandon you for a little bit in this particular way, battle in Canaan. So, we, so parents, you need, to, you need to think these things through with your kids. What's a logical consequence? Proverbs, again, poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. What's the payoff? We always have to be thinking, what's the payoff? By disobeying, are they rewarded? This is where schools have sometimes gone really wrong. We've got a really disobedient kid. You know what we should do? Kick him out of school for three days. That's exactly what that kid wants. Like, that's not a logical consequence. Here's what you do. You, you make him come to school, and you make that time even more miserable than his time in the classroom. So what are the consequences? Um, Proverbs 23, 21. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber, slumber will clothe them with rags. That's how God disciplines people. He says, hey, here's the consequences. Here are the consequences. Laughing kids are great, Samantha. Um, Psalm 9:16. The Lord has made Himself known; He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the works of their hands. So, we need to think about consequences. So, when I'm so busy practicing for golf that I'm not doing my homework, and I get a C in geometry, even though I can, I'm still eligible for the school. When mom and dad say, "Brett, you're missing the match against Lakeside." Because you're meeting with Mr. Culverwell to do your math after school. That's a logical consequence. And so I show up, and then the coach says, Brett, we've got, now we've only got five people on the team that know how to play, and we should have six. I'm like, but coach, my grades were good enough according to the school. He says, I don't care. Your parent is not good enough to play according to your parents. So this is a consequence. I'm going to support your parents. 
Again, Hebrews 12, 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Here's where relationships really matter. Do you know them in such a way that you know what might actually hurt, sting just a little bit when you need to discipline them? Here's something I would say. Don't use good habits as a means of punishing, as a means of punishment. So I would say your child does something really disrespectful. It is appropriate for you to read a little bit of scripture to them. Say like, hey, here's why this really matters to us. And so you are grounded for the weekend, which means you're going to miss the dance or the game or whatever. But I wouldn't say, now I want you to memorize this verse. Because memorizing scripture is a great blessing. Why, why would you now use that as saying, like, here's this glorious thing, but I'm going to associate it with your pain? You need to be aware, be, be aware of that sort of thing. Again, scripture is really powerful. So I'm, saying, I'm not saying don't apply it, don't, you know, or um, you, if you want your kids to read, um, you know, so like for some, for my wife, a, a really powerful discipline would be you take her books away. But it wouldn't be good if you want your kids to be readers to punish them by saying, now go read a book. Um, be aware of what consequences pay off. And those of you who are kids in here, they're teens still living at home, your parents are going to make mistakes here. Just try to help them. And, and, and maybe just say, maybe as you mature, you can actually probably even negotiate with your parents. Say, Mom and Dad, like, this, this actually would, would be, a, seems like a just punishment. Right. And because sometimes I've had my kids come to me. These are rare, so don't, make, don't let me fool you. Where they're like, I probably need a discipline, Dad. This is what I did. And it's really hurt this person. And, and those might be times where you then display grace. You say, you know what? Like you're aware of your sin. You're aware that it deserves judgment, punishment. But actually, that's all of life for me. And yet God has been gracious to us. Brian, what were you going to So, and that's, that is one thing. When I talk about discipline being painful, they, um, for some of us, even young kids, spanking, man, they know it. They know, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get spanked, but it's still going to be worth it. So it probably doesn't sting enough. You need to be aware of how to be flexible and what else is going to sting with this child. Yeah, John. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. And so there needs there needs to be times where you say, oh, I see you changing in this way. Really encouraged. And parents. Let's say you have a let's let's say they're 18. It's their senior year. Tensions are probably at their highest. You and now you're, you're, you're stressing because you're like, is this kid really ready? And they're stressing because mom and dad, man, they don't know anything. They've, they're ready to graduate from high school, so obviously I know everything I need to do. There, there needs to probably be like, you know what? That kid does make the same mistake six out of ten times still. But maybe you need to just rejoice. If they're getting it right four out of 10 times. And 10 years ago, it was one out of 10 times. And then you say, Lord, I'm going to entrust them to you. And, here's a, and, and you can bring consequences that will train them. Here's something important. Oh, I meant to change that. Well, teen years is not quite right. I meant to change that title. Um, when you're disciplining, especially young kids, you need to win the battle of the wills every time. We, in, when we were teaching, we called it, my, one of my coworkers called it testing the fences. Jurassic Park in the movie. The raptors are always testing the fences. Are they active? Are they really there? Kids do that. That's why boundaries are, can be so good. But I have some close friends. I love them very much. And their kids are kind of crazy. And one day we were over at their house, and the mom was just kind of exasperated. She's like, this is why I don't want to deal with him, because I don't want to fight this battle all the time. And I just told her, you have to fight the battle. And you have to win every time. Now, here's the problem. No parent wins every time. So we immediately know that we're failures. Now, so here's where I have over here children with Pyrrhic victories. Now, that's obvious. You probably don't need me to explain it. Pyrrhus was a king in Epirus here. And he invades the Roman Republic. And he wins the Battle of Asculum. And afterwards, people are like patting King Pyrrhus on the back. Hey, you won. You won this invasion. Pyrrhus basically says, I think it's Plutarch that quotes him, basically says, if we win more battles like this, we'll, we can't afford to win more battles like this. Basically, the Romans made him pay so much that even though he won, he knew that if he won another battle like that, that was so costly, he'd lose the war. Teens, let me press on you just for a moment. You are going to fight the battle against your parents. But if you win, you will actually be losing in the long run. That's hard to believe at times. But you need your parents to win. You need them to win. They, they do actually know better. They, they don't know everything. They're going to make mistakes. They'll probably come back and apologize when they've 
when they're aware of those mistakes. Uh, but if you win, you lose. So in the battle of wills, sometimes you need to just say, boy, I don't get this. I want to roll my eyes right now. I want to leave in a huff. But I actually, I guess I just need to lose this. And that is a sign of submission to God above. Because you're submitting to the authorities God has given you. And it's really hard. I've been there. Sarah. That's a good observation. It's not me versus you. Yeah. It's us versus your sin. Yeah. We want to we help you. Just want to help you. JJ. There, there are times, I mean, so let's, let's be aware of our, God knows our frame, he knows they were dust. So first child for the sweets, she gets her little toddler bed, she wakes up in the morning and she lays there and says, Mom, Dad, I'm awake, stays right there. Okay. Fast forward a few years later, we have twins who are in toddler beds. And we're renting this giant McMansion house. It was the only one available to us, and it was affordable. Um, and there was a lot of stairs from downstairs to upstairs. And the twins are in their toddler beds. Hey, Ren. Ren, come over here and look at this. Hey, Jenna. Jenna, come here. And you just hear this. And you go up, and you discipline them. You say, kids, it's bedtime. You need to stay in your beds. You go back downstairs. Eight minutes later, you go upstairs. After the seventh or eighth time, mom and dad are like, we've been mastered by the stairs. <laughs> and we've lost. So that's going to happen. But the motivation needs to be by love, not conquest. And there might need to be reevaluations. There might need to be times where you say, you know, kids, more information has come in. I thought this was a really important thing. It turns out maybe it's not. Maybe we can't allow you this level of freedom. Um, but you do need to be aware that you might have just moved the fences. You might have just taught them that after 99 crashes into the fence, you'll give on the 100th. So you need to be aware of that. Uh, and again, I want to go back and remind, remind us that there's only ever been one perfect parent, and that's God the Father. We need our kids to have him as their parent. Not us yet. Question, comment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
That's right. Yeah, yeah. You're aware of that. I think what you're saying is the principle of Hebrews, which is that God disciplines us for our good. And so as, as parents, we need to be aware of, you guys, right now I think God is disciplining me. And we need to sometimes maybe say that out loud. Like I think maybe the reason why my work has been such a struggle right now, kids, is maybe God's disciplining me. Or you've noticed that mom and dad are arguing a little bit more than usual. It might be God is disciplining us. Or Times are hard financially, and we've got to sell the, ex the other car. Maybe God is disciplining us, and we're going to trust that it's for our good. It feels painful right now. And your kids will see that in you, and it, it will be powerful. Now, again, if we go back to the first week, uh, without the gift of new birth, there's no, uh, there won't be a lot of, that we can expect. But... Um, no, there's some great, great principles there. There was something, somebody else was going to share something I thought I saw. Megan? Yes, yes. Yes, that's, that's, why, that's why I would say go back to the annoyance. Like, sometimes you need to let the, like, my kids are maybe being a little annoying right now, but they're not sinning. And, you, and so you don't pick that battle. But if it's a clear defiance or disobedience, like you've, you've got to win. And the win can't be, the win has to be at the heart level. It's got to be going, kids, like, I don't want you to be just obedient and angry all the time either. I want, we care about your obedience, but we want you to grow in love. Um, so that's why the heart is so important here. It's not just that you need respect, and dad sometimes, this is really important, like my kids need to respect me. Feel that? Well, God expects, in a sinless world, fathers would always be respected. So it's probably right that we feel a little bit of that, but if that's what's motivating you, then maybe it's pride. And you need to humble yourself. Uh, that seems like the goal, right? 
Yes. Yes. Amen. Yeah. And so here's what we here's what I can tell you. You're going to be an imperfect parent, an imperfect disciplinarian. It is a word, disciplinarian. Your children are not going to respond perfectly to discipline because you don't respond perfectly to discipline. But here's the thing. God uses discipline to train us and grow us and help us and shape us. And the, the point that was brought up there is that it, a consequence... For example, of teens, is like, if you can't exercise self-control, this is how the world works. Someone will have to control you. And so we want to teach our kids to learn self-control. So that other people don't, so it's not prison guards that need to control them. Or fill in the blank. Um, Abusive boyfriends, or fill in the, you know, whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great question. I, you never want to. You never want to demean a child. You never want to shame. Shame exists, and we feel shame. We're not in a sh- honor shame culture very much. We have pride parades, um, but so you. But shame is not going to be effective. Saying like, you, look at what you you did. Um, But it might be saying like, you just destroyed, you just destroyed this property. What what are you gonna do about it? So I would would avoid shame. Um, Anything, any, if you use physical, like spanking on young kids, if, if there's, bruising that lasts more than a couple days gets too hard. Um, and, it, and most of the time it's not going to be a bruise at all. It's going to be a stinging red mark that goes away. Um, yeah, Angie. Yeah. You know, they'll be surprised by that. It's practicing church discipline really in a small scale. Like we're keeping it between the smallest amount of people. Um, yeah, I mean, but Josiah, it's a good question. Are there actual practices that we should, yeah, I would say don't do stocks. Don't, don't, don't get a sandwich board. Make your kids walk down Hamilton Street that says, I, you know, I refuse to clean up my room. Like, I mean, that sort of stuff has been used in the past, and it's still very powerful. But in really strong honor and shame cultures like Japan, here's what the result will ends up being with no gospel. The kids kill themselves. Uh, and, so, and so we just need 
we need them to know that there's love behind it. We're, we're running out of time. I've already gone too long. Um, let me pray. There's lots of wisdom. Come back next week with instruction. Um, I don't claim, again, I don't claim to know everything. There's probably things I said that are mistakes, and I'm going to trust God's going to help you forget those. Uh, but I think we, need, we can rely on God's word. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you that you're always for us and not against us. We're thankful that you discipline us for our good. Help us to believe that. Help us to be parents who discipline with wisdom and love. And help us to be children who respond to, wisdom, to discipline with faith and repentance. And Lord, help all of our relationships to be characterized by grace flowing from Jesus. We pray that we would celebrate him in the next hour and change. In Jesus' name, amen.